This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. of radio. What are we doing? What's going on here? Why is there a microphone in front of me? Who are these people? Those are all valid questions, Brendan, and answers will come in time. But what we are doing right now is what we often do, where we have a little moment at the beginning where we both fuck around and have a guest. And I got a guest for today's episode, Brendan. I had to search far, high and low, because most of the people involved with this movie are still alive, and because of that, they won't talk to us. Well, smart people. Yeah, and Paddington is a fictional character. Those are harder to get. What? We've done it. Yeah, no, it's harder. It's much harder. They have no, a better, no, 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 no. better representation. Fictional? Yeah, no, he's not real. Was created by he was created by a guy actually a guy uh, oh, a very old guy. Oh, Jason, I have to make some calls later. Okay, yeah. continue. Well, you you can ask him about it because, ladies and gentlemen, my guest this week, straight from the afterlife, relatively recently departed. He's only been there for five years. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Sir Michael Bond, Sir Lord, I don't really remember. I certainly had a title, but I don't quite know what it was. Hello, what? gentlemen. Was it the Intercontinental title? I did hold that in 1982. Oh. For a week, you see, I, I dropped it to the Iron Sheik in a, uh, 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 in a, a strap match. Of course, of course. Yes. yes, I was quite popular back then. I was, but that was actually after I had created Paddington, you see. Oh. Yes, uh, I was. I was. I was led to believe I was brought here to tell you that Paddington, in fact, is a fictional man. You understand that? No, 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 no. I, I, I understand where you're coming from, of course, but surely you must understand that if you were a real bear, you would probably eat your genitals. But he was on film, and he was magical, and he was real to me, damn it! And I certainly salute the filmmakers and the, and the effects supervisors and the, the teamsters who leaned back against a trailer and drank a coffee while this was made. I salute them all because it is wonderful what they've done with my vision, but unfortunately, he's not real. I've tried to make him real. He's not real. So can I ask you something, sir? Please, absolutely. I've been quite lonely for the last five years in Republican heaven. I'm, I don't really fit in, you see. What, what's, what's, what, what's he like in real life? Who? Pat Paddington. Oh, he's asking you who Paddington's like, uh, Mr. Paul. I'm asking what, what, oh, he's, yes. what, he's, what he's like What he's like in real life. Well, see, just to reiterate, he's, he's not, in fact, real. Uh, he's not a person. I, I, I created him from the depths of my 
brain, much like Tolkien or uh, that fellow that wrote that letter in Penthouse. You created Tolkien last month. No, he he actually was a person. He was a friend of mine. Uh, I was I was a young lad, and he was an old man. You see. Okay, but like when you gave birth to Paddington. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. You came out of your belly. Uh, what's he? He's, what's he he's like? Very stupid, Mister Bond. I'm I'm so sorry. Uh, just humor him and tell him something to shut him up. Uh, yes, of course I can do that. Yes, I I birthed him out of my bottom, like some Ooh. uh some. Wow. Unwanted turd, you see, but it turned out that he actually was quite lovely, and I wrote a book about oh. him, and I sent him on his way, and oh, and his life was actually quite well until he was hit by a bus in 1968 and spent the rest of his life a quadriplegic. Uh, and it, actually, unfortunately, at one point he had gotten um, uh, what was it called? Leprosy. Leprosy. Yes, he had gotten leprosy, and he had f- fallen apart. You see. I have to, I need to, I need an adult. Well, that shut him up, I guess. I'm going to have to deal with him now, Mr. Bond. To tell you what, why don't you head back to Republican heaven? I don't want to go. Unfortunately, you have to go, and we're going to talk about this movie, and I'm going to revel in Brendan's uh, innocence being lost. Well, I'm happy to have helped. Good day, jetpack. How you feeling now, bud? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. You'd be sad. Mm. I love it. I love that you're sad. You do the podcast. All right, we'll do the podcast. Ladies you and gentlemen. Po- I don't even need to I don't even need to do it. No, I know you don't. You just sit there and watch. You watch Daddy do it. Okay, Fine. ladies and gentlemen, welcome to For Screen and Country. And that's me, Jason, who's hosting today. Brendan's on the side, Ryan's crying like a little baby. So we will just plow ahead. With the podcast, our film this week. <laughs> Do you miss it? I got it out of my system. I'm good now. You're good now? All right. You want to kick this into gear, bud? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. What kind of podcast is this, Jason? This is a podcast ostensibly about British films, and that's what we're doing today, Brendan. We're talking about a British film. We've talked about the BFI list, and now we are going through the Empire uh, list of films, of the best British films of all time, ones that we haven't seen previously on the BFI list. And Mm -hmm. this week is no exception here on the podcast called For Screen and Country. Because we're talking about a sequel to one of your favorite films, The English Patient 2, Ooh. Code Red, released in 2012. No? Yeah, it's a, it's a prequel, and it's set in a, uh, in a fort, and they have to hold down against hordes of Nazis that are coming. But you don't actually see them because they didn't have the kind of budget, so it's actually just them fighting the same three guys in different uniforms throughout the like hallways and of the basements and warehouses of the fort that they have. No, Jason, I lied. That was what we call a joke in the biz, a bit, if you will. Mm. We are actually talking about uh, Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. But before that, we should address some comments regarding last week's movie. And that was, of course, Paddington, a bear in a little suit. Not a suit. He wore a, a jacket. A coat, if you will. Will you? Mm, will mm. you? I will. will. Oh, thank you. I was worried that you will didn't. No, I always okay. will. 
Consider it consider it perpetual will. Oh. Well, yeah. uh, Jason, did, sh- shall I, or do you want to take the, 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 the leap on these comments about Paddington? Brendan, today, in honor of you, oh. I'm going to sit back and let you take the stick on this one. Go ahead, buddy. Take us to the sky. Well, the first comment comes from uh, first name twin, Brendan Tenna. And Brendan Tenna says, an absolute joy to watch. At the risk of committing heresy, there are days where I honestly do think the first Paddington film is the better of the two. Today is not one of those days, but I still absolutely love this movie and its wholesome yet clever sensibility. So some days he's like, Paddington 2? Sorry. You are the weakest link. I mean, really, to me, Paddington and Paddington 2 are like, the first two Terminator movies. There's a valid argument for both being the better one. And one of them has better special effects than the other. That is true. Yes. And one has Bill Paxton. <laughs> I wish. Oh. <laughs> Bill, Game over, Paddington. Bill Paxton as Paddington. <laughs> Whoa. That was more Nicolas Cage than Bill Paxton. That was, that was a great Paxton. <laughs> you was, got that. That was, that was Bill... That was Bill Paxton doing Nicholas Cage. You, you, oh. you had that Paxton in your back pocket right there. You were waiting for it. <laughs> That's right. Your Paxton no, pocket. The only Paxton I could do is if I imitate Paul F. Tompkins imitating Bill Paxton doing the role from he does in Titanic. Wow. Yeah, okay. It's, a lot, it's very deep. What do you got next? Uh, we've got Celine Brown who writes, I didn't quite get the love for the first one. I thought it was fine, but nothing special. Paddington 2, however, is a masterpiece. Did she yell that? No, I did, but okay. I, I just wanted to reinforce it. I assume in her mind she was yelling it when oh, she wrote it. But okay. she didn't, but she had the 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 you know the politeness to not type it in all caps. I do remember when the first when the second one came out that I do remember a few people saying like this was so much better. This was so much better. And and for a while I thought like my my uh, remembrance of this is that the first one is good, the second one's amazing but I think when we rewatched it I really kind of put them close to the same level I think they're both very very yeah. good they're both fantastic movies and I think the second one gets so much love because it's rare that a sequel is is as good, let alone better mm. than the first one I think I do think the second one is a tiny bit better but I, I love them both so, I mean, you, you, the thing is, you can't go wrong with either of these movies. Watch the first one and then watch the second one and, and you'll be you'll be satisfied. And you know what? You get great villains either way. Yes. Oh, 100%. Uh, Matthew Charlebois says, near the end when Paddington looks at the camera and simply says, home, it's one of the most beautiful moments I've seen in a film. The movie works so hard to earn that little moment. The simple word is packed with so much meaning. Beautiful. Aw. It is, and that's why I picked the comment, because it is. It's a wonderful moment, and uh, it really does hit you right in the feels, as the kids like to say. It's Again, it's an accomplishment for a movie where it's like, you know, a bunch of live actors, a bunch of live action with a CGI bear. I mean, it's not hard. It's not easy to pull that off and achieve, like, genuine sentimentality. I mean, all the elements you have to pull off. I mean, the main two being you have to have actors that know how to act with something that isn't there, and then the effects people really have to pick up the ball and, and make it work and doesn't always work and yet in these movies nails it both yeah. times the effects look great and the acting is fantastic I mean listen Bob Hoskins must have been the go-to for how to work aside yep. uh, cartoon characters and after we lost him I don't know if we're going to be able to do it anymore I don't think so we man. lost was, our advisor 
We lost the the one man that knew how to do it. One man. The one man that could act with Roger Rabbit. Anybody else? That's why Roger Rabbit never came back, because Bob Hoskins was not willing. Right, exactly. And you know what God did with Bob Hoskins? He killed him. Killed a man. Actually, it turns out Bob Hoskins was the one guy that wasn't stupid because he died. God killed him simply because he wouldn't do another Roger Rabbit movie. And that was that it was God's will that there be another Roger Rabbit movie. Bob Hoskins wouldn't do it. So well, God, well, God only did it because uh, uh, Baby Herman was really upset that there wasn't a sequel, and he actually willed God yeah. to kill Bob Hoskins. Well, you know what? I you know what my theory is. Okay, oh, I don't know, I don't have all the facts. I, I have people I talk to, but I don't have all the facts. My theory is is that God, in a Kim uh, Kim uh, uh, Jong Il like move, killed him, and then took him to Republican Heaven, and then forced him to make the movies that God wanted him to make. Oh shit! So shattered too. Here we go. Yeah, one hundred percent. Watch out, baby. Our next comment, Brendan, comes from Jacob Chavez, or Jacob Chavez, who writes, Love this film, too. Paddington is such a nice bear. Also, taxidermy aside, I'm pretty sure Nicole Kidman straight up murders people in this movie. As we pointed out, and as you pointed out in the comments, yeah, she definitely kills that cabbie. There's I, no question. 100% he died in that He's children's dead. movie. She murdered him. <laughs> the most, she did not suffer the consequences. The most, Well, I mean, she ultimately goes to prison and almost gets killed. Yeah, but not for that. No. Well, that, like is OJ that gonna... going for the fucking the, the theft. <laughs> Wait, you, are you saying that's going to be like one of those cold cases that never gets solved? That's right. They're never. They're going to be like, how did this even happen? And they won't even think that Nicole Kidman could have possibly done it. We're so distracted by the bear and this this woman trying to uh, to ta- uh, you know taxidermize. I guess the sword this bear, and uh, we we still haven't solved the the murder of this poor cab driver. Yeah. Well, I mean, when there's when there's a talking bear, I mean, when everybody realizes there's a talking bear, everything else kind of falls to the wayside. Yeah. And I mean, this this guy followed the cabbie's code. We lost one of the good ones. <laughs> one of the good ones. <laughs> uh, oh, regular commenter Sharon Horwat. Oh, I say regular, but really, she's super duper. Um, says, I remember thinking when I saw the trailer that it was going to be terrible. Yes, me too, Sharon. Thankfully, that wasn't the case. It is an absolutely sweet movie, incredibly funny, great performances from everyone, including Nicole Kidman and Ben Whishaw are cast perfectly and should have Oscars for the movie, quite honestly. And this movie has a great script with great setups and payoffs. Yeah, it's amazing that this thing worked out as well as it did twice. Like, you think of how difficult it is to get a movie made, let alone a good one made. And what do you think? Should there be an Oscar for for, uh, voiceover performance? I think there should. Why not? Yeah, it's surprising. It's surprising to me that there there isn't. You know, I mean, se- separated if you want to. If you don't want to do best male and female voice like separate, that's fine. Just do one voiceover Oscar. I think I think it deserves it. Yeah, and and but we the first one has to be retroactive. So the nominees are going to be uh, Mel Blanc for Bugs Bunny. Wait, that, in uh, what movie? Uh, just whatever movie. Um, then uh, Mike Myers for Shrek. Uh, uh, the the guy that played Goofy. And uh, <laughs> again, in the Goof Troop movie, yeah, and uh, of course Sean Connery for Dragonheart. What a what a cow, what a what a list! What a list. That's that's where we'll start. You don't even include Eddie Murphy for Mulan in a role that would never happen again. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me, I'm China. <laughs> All right, last comment, Jason. Hit us up. Tyler McBee writes that he says, a personal fave. My daughter and I watched it by accident when we got to the theater and SpongeBob was sold out. She started crying. She was five at the time. But I convinced her to try Paddington. We both loved it, and it is undoubtedly the movie we have watched most together over the last eight years. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's a good That's, a, a good that's why I picked that one to end. That's such a great story. Such a great turnaround. 
Uh, also, I love how Tyler is like, but listen, she was five. Don't make fun of her for crying. <laughs> Wait, I get it. Hey, and the SpongeBob movie's great, but uh, I understand. I mean, I think this is better than the SpongeBob movie. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, but I also saw the SpongeBob movie on mushrooms, so that's a whole different kettle. Oh of fish. wow, that's that's yeah. something. It was intense. Okay, well, Jason, those are the comments. Uh, we're gonna move on. We're gonna talk about another kids movie this week. We're going to talk about Wallace and Gromit: The Curse of the Were Rabbit. Which is licensed Baker Street? Just to open this. Open the the movie. Do 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 do. Do 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 do. Thank you. But that's it. Yeah, no, they they did they they did they did spend enough. They they actually spent a lot of money, I should say, because they wanted to license Baker Street, and that's but that's all they could afford that bit. Of... Wait, the, you mean like the free fifteen seconds? That's all they could afford. Yeah, that's all they could afford. It was like the the preview clip of Baker Baker Street, but that's why the opening credits are so short. You see. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, very brief song and argument can only mean one thing. We are talking about Wallace and Gromit, the Curse of the Were Rabbit, Jason. People, people who don't know what Wallace and Gromit is are probably like, what the heck is this thing? Well, Wallace and Gromit is a, a landmark, uh, an iconic, if you will, uh, claymation animated uh, shorts and uh, a film. It's a franchise created by Nick Park, uh, who I guess was working on the first short in like 1982 when he was in school. It was like his final school project and he... Eventually, he got it moved to a film company, and he was allowed to keep working on it and earning credit for it and something. Anyways, it ended up coming out in 1989, and it was nominated for an Academy Award that year. The first short called, uh, uh, was it The Grand Tour? or The Wrong Trousers? No, that's 1993. That's the one that won the Oscar. Oh, okay. Um, hold on a sec. A Grand Day Out, that's the name of it. So yeah, the the first short, A Grand Day, it was actually nominated for an Oscar in 1989, and it lost to himself because uh, he won for another short that he had done that year. Amazing. And yeah, and then uh, uh, the next uh, short, The Wrong Trousers, did actually end up winning a uh, an Academy Award in 1993. It was followed by A Close Shave, which was another short. And then in 2005, there was the movie we are watching today, The Curse of the Were Rabbit, and apparently there's another one from 2008 called A Matter of Loaf and Death. Uh, Which is another the, short. It's only thirty yeah. minutes long. Yeah. So yeah. The, this is actually the 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 feature, the one feature that has been made of Wallace and Gromit. At the present moment, this is the only feature length Wallace and Gromit uh, yes. thing. But there is apparently one being planned for twenty twenty four for Netflix. Yes. Yes. They have a new voice of uh, Wallace, of course, because uh, uh, Peter Salas retired in twenty ten and passed away in twenty seventeen. I think. Oh, he did pass away. Oh, that's yeah. so sad. Yeah, he was well, he was like 92, I mean. No. Oh. Wasn't like he was taken in his prime or anything. But yeah, so these are quite beloved shorts and they are done in a very lovely claymation style which, you know, these days yeah, big budget film if they were doing that style, they would probably still use computers to do it because it's just so friggin' labor intensive. So uh, it's claymation. Okay, so is it is it also stop motion? Am I am I saying that wrong? It is claymation. Claymation and stop motion are kind of uh, interchangeable. I mean, okay. not all stop motion is claymation, but all claymation is stop motion. I would say, unless it's like CG. That's fucking deep, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's um, and of course, stop motion photography is is incredibly labor intensive. Uh, but when it's done well, it's really cool. And and that's part of I think the appeal of Wallace and Gromit is that it's such a distinct style with distinct characters, and the characters are lovable and. 
we have their feature film here, which is apparently, I didn't realize, a parody of Hammer Horror Films. Now, I have not watched a Hammer Horror Film, so we will I be. can't say for that. But yes, at some point we will be. So maybe it'll feel like it's referencing Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> which, of course, it is. Because yes. what happened was uh, Ardman Animations, they went back in time. That's right. Copied uh, Dracula. Or sorry, when, I would I should say Drac the Dracula guy. I should say Christopher Lee went forward in time, yeah. copied Wallace and Gromit, and then went back. I mean, they're all globalist elites, and globalists globalists have a time machine. Oh, we all know Jesus. that. It's your new character, relaxed Alex Jones. <laughs> Look, guys, you just got to understand, man. Re, relaxed Jones. <laughs> relaxed Jones. The <laughs> the globalists, man. They're just they're coming for us, and we listen, need to stand up. You know. Listen, guys, guys, they're turning the frogs gay. Okay. Every day, every day they're turning those frogs gay. Let every day those it. frogs be gay. Oh, it's a hit hit song. Why does this sound like we're doing the uh, Arthur theme song? <laughs> every day those frogs be gay. Hey, hey, hey. They work from, day, from to day to day and get along with, with each, each other. other. <gasps> in the butt. No, 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 no. If they're gay frogs, they get along in the butt. Well, I guess they do. I guess technically that is correct. Thank um. You. Fact check me on my podcast, will you? So, of course, vegetables are very important in the Wallace and Gromit universe. Mm -hmm. And it's reflected in this film where everybody is growing their prized vegetables and there is set to be a vegetable festival hosted by the, was it Lady Tottingcourt, Tottingham, 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 uh, voiced ably by Helena Bonham Carter, who is the local aristocrat, um, who... Of course, Wallace has romantic designs upon. Our second appearance on this podcast of Helena Bonham Carter, her other one being A Room with a View. Yes, yes. So we saw a lot of things out of that room. I mean, I guess. I don't think you remember a, the movie very well. A good view. A good view. It was, it was 90 minutes of looking out a window, if I remember correctly. Uh, nope. I don't believe it was directed nope. by Andy Warhol. <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter just occasionally smoking. <laughs> Yeah, no continuity errors because the camera never breaks. But Wallace and our friend Grom, and of course, Wallace, among other things, is an inventor. He mm-hmm. loves to invent things, and he makes ridiculous Rube Goldberg uh, inventions. And he has stepped up in this world, Brendan, because they have a rabbit problem. All these people love vegetables and want to have a vegetable festival. It's very hard, Brendan, when there are rabbits everywhere. Mm-hmm. And those rabbits and, are eating the vegetables. And as the movie says, they're multiplying like, well... Rabbits. Rabbits, yes, absolutely. <laughs> hey. But Wallace is a nice guy, and he's he's a, he's a, he's a gentleman, and in the most literal sense of the term. <laughs> like, I, we pronounce, the pronunciation threw me off for a second. <laughs> he's a gentleman. Gentleman. And he's, he's not interested in murdering these rabbits, so he invents a vacuum cleaner device that is able to suck all the rabbits out, and he can deal with them uh, in a more humane way way as opposed to the uh what's the guy's name victor quartermain victor quartermain who seems to be perhaps a descendant of adventurer alan quartermain i'm not sure voiced by ray fines voiced by our old friend ray fines uh who has yet to be in a movie that we really like all that much on this podcast thankfully thankfully that'll change today at least as far as spoiler alert um yeah, but he, yeah, he's a he's a an asshole and a prick and an upper class twit, and he wants to marry Lady Tottingham, uh, but she's not really into him because he's a twit, and he's mm-hmm. also a bit bloodthirsty and he wants to murder all the rabbits, but that doesn't happen because I don't know if you know this, Wallace and Gromit now have a company called Antipesto that is the 
the yes, it's fun. It's a fun pun. The they have what appears to be a monopoly on the security services of this town. The people of this town have willingly let themselves live in a a police state run by a private corporation run by Wallace and Gromit. And Wait, I don't think they're also the police. They're, no, they're police not. The, there, there is a police officer, but fat a lot of good he does. He wasn't helping with the rabbits. Well, he, he was trying to get people to calm down during the vegetable festival. That's right. Calm down. Calm down. Don't want no troublemaking. Uh, that's all he does. That's why he can't deal with the rabbits. So they have willingly submitted themselves to this dystopian system. And uh, it turns out that it's not, it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really matter, man, because life is meaningless. And that's all. But I don't think this is, is the about. plot of the, no? the plot of the movie at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit dystopian is what I'm saying. I'm going to say, and it gets more dystopian, Brennan, because so in, in what Wallace's plan is, is that to, he needs to get the rabbits and he needs to alter the very fiber of their brain. We're getting into some David Cronenberg shit. He needs to alter the very fiber of their being so that they will not eat vegetables. Well, and remember the the way he comes up with that is because Wallace is um, needs to be on a diet too. He's eating too much cheese. Yeah. And he's like, wait a second. And he's about to use a mind manipulation device on himself, which he hilariously says, it's harmless. Just a little mind manipulation. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, he, he, so that gives him the idea to use that against the bunnies. And yeah, it, it goes a little haywire. Well, it goes haywire. But I mean, he's literally trying. Here's the, here's the thing, though. This movie is a nice movie, so it doesn't go this direction. But if he takes away the rabbit's desires for food that they eat like vegetables and such one of two things happens brendan either the sad thing happens and they all just fucking starve to death because they can't eat nothing or the horror horrific thing happens and they become can't like bloodthirsty human uh, eaters mm. they get a taste for human flesh and we get like a fucking like a a, a, a sea level horror movie happening Maybe. So once again, Jason has taken a lovely uh, little harmless premise and turned it into a terrifying dystopia with possibly either cannibal rabbits or a bunch of rabbit corpses. It's not it's not dystopian. Why does one man, Wallace, have all this power? And he's a man that can't take care of himself. Gromit has to do all the bullshit. And if Gromit decided to just walk out, this man would die. He would just die. <laughs> He's got all the inventions in the world, and yet without Gromit, he is nothing. Yeah, but he's got—he's on a power trip, you see. Okay, I don't think so. No, he's on a power trip because he doesn't have his cheese. He's going through withdrawals, but Brendan, you don't—we we saw Train Spotting, Brendan. Okay, you Listen. remember that movie? You remember what kind of shit that Ian, Ian, Ewan, excuse me, Ian Ewan McGregor, McGregor went through. Yeah, Ian McGregor. You—you you saw the deleted scenes with Ian McGregor, but you—you you saw what Ian McGregor. You and McGregor went through withdrawing on heroin. That's what's happening to poor Wallace with the cheese. You know, he's he's I'd not say, in his right mind. I will I'd, say. I'd I'd say this turn has rattled me, but uh, that would be a bold-faced lie because I've known Jason for years, so this doesn't none of this shocks me at all. I mean, and who would suspect Wallace of having? I mean, he's clearly off his rocker, but everybody thinks it's so innocent. Like he's oh, he's just the weirdo that likes cheese. He's a man who has done horrible things to himself. I don't know if you noticed at the beginning of this movie, but when they are panning over the photographs, we see a picture of Gromit as a puppy with a young Wallace, and he's got a full head of hair, Brendan, and a mustache. He looks like he looks like a a, a northern English god, 
And at some point, that all went away. And I don't think that was natural. What I'm saying is I think he is playing with forces that he doesn't understand. Do you, get, you, you follow me? <laughs> yes, unfortunately. Thank you. So, I mean, I, I, I can't speak to the subtext of this movie. It's kind of iffy by the end of it. But I don't know that Wallace is a good influence on our children. Is what I'm really going okay, for. Okay, can you here. tell I us just, what the rest of the basic plot is? What is the rest is? of the movie about? Oh, so well, so well. I mean, ultimately, so Wallace definitely has evil inside. No, yes, <laughs> it's clear, and that and that is reflected. So we, we the basic crux of the movie is that after he does this experiment, one of the rabbits is a bit weird, and all of a sudden the vegetables get all eaten one night and they're all destroyed and it's, and shit is bad, man. It's not just like the rabbits ate it. It's like somebody tore everything apart. Mm-hmm. And it turns out they put two and two together and they realize they created a were rabbit <gasps> insert like a storm sound effect right here. <laughs> Thank you. They've created a were rabbit. So now of course, Wallace is, you know, he, for, for, for all of his deep seated hate and evil he is i think that at the core he's a good guy and mm-hmm. he just wants to help so he and, and also his business has a reputation on the line and he's not going to let that you know he's spent a lot of time building this up so he's going to deal with that rabbit well if he's but running we, the we, whole we, town if he's running yeah. the whole town jason obviously he's got <laughs> yeah he's running the whole town but i mean but but of course when i say deal with the rabbit i mean he's going to tell gromit to deal with the rabbit and gromit right. will or he'll try to deal with the rabbit on his own way and he'll fuck it up and then Gromit will pick up the slack. And that's how it mm-hmm. usually goes. But then we learn the twist. Gromit figures this out. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not the bunny. It's not Hutch who is... The bunny that he switched with, essentially. Yes, tried, the bunny, or one the of, bunny one that he mind-melded. He mind-manipulated. Well, he tried to mind-manipulate all of them, but Hutch yes. is the one that kind of... Uh, suctioned into his like mind melt thing, and yeah, he got the brunt of it. This this guy, yeah. Um, and they assumed that he was the were rabbit, but no, it turns out Wallace is the were rabbit. Bum bum bum. Bum so bum bum. So Gromit has to deal with that while keeping that from Wallace for a bit. But uh, eventually, the signs start to show his ears pop out, and they're furry rabbit ears. And of course, Wallace is in denial. He doesn't think there's any way. He thinks it's because he's eating too many carrots. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, eventually the evil inside festers and boils and he turns into the were-rabbit again and they have to hunt him down and they eventually do stop him from eating all the vegetables and get Wallace back to normal. <laughs> oh, okay. Go right to the I mean, end. That's... <laughs> <laughs> but what really matters is 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 the the just the horrors that lie with inside Wallace's soul. Oh, my God. And, Brendan, I'd like you to speak on that. Uh, well, I've got nothing to say to that because none of my notes are about how Wallace is evil, Jason, and I don't like you taking this uh, episode in that in that direction. Look, I, look, I, hey, man, listen, I'm just like you. I watched this movie. I was I was tickled by it. I wrote some notes, and, and it was all very innocent. But when I came in here today, I sat down, and I looked at the screen, and I looked into your eyes, Brendan. I looked into your eyes, and it triggered something in my soul. And when that happened, I saw the movie in a new light. It just it came to me. It flowed out of me like a river, Brendan, and I don't know what to do about it. And that's why what I told getting, you about it. Why are you getting Southern? Well, I just, when I get passionate, Brendan, I feel like it just feels, runs through me and I feel reflects so in my voice. Mm. But I'm done. I'm, I'm better now. I'm better now. <laughs> so this so this is, a, this is a, a fun little claymation movie. So, yes. um, Jason, what do you think... 
What's the what's the and I'm just I'm asking this. I'm not asking this because I don't know. I'm asking your opinion. Sure. What is the appeal, do you think, of like this style? And and why do you think like people utilize it rather than animation? Like what do, what do you think is the is the the driving force behind the the choice to do claymation? I I think because it's sort of a stopgap between reality and animation. It's very much in the middle where you are using physical objects and physical environments and taking photographs of them. So it's real, quote unquote, right? It's not a drawn background or anything. It's these objects. And it just, it it stands out. It looks so neat. Um, And it allows you to do some really interesting stuff in a, quote unquote, live action context that you can't do, or at least you couldn't do before CG without... You know, doing this. I mean, this this style has been used in movies for many years. I mean, of course, we go all the way back to King Kong for all the special effects in that, uh, the original film, and of course, Clash of the Titans famously uh, used stop motion monsters and such. I feel it's like all that Harryhausen parts of Star Wars have used claymation. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. If you uh, the 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 chessboard in the on the Millennium Falcon with the creatures, that's absolutely stop motion. The Tauntauns, of course, stop motion. The Dubaks. Yes, the dobacks, all sorts of things. It's um, the boobacks, the brewbakers, it's, it's, it's shoemakers. It's, it's a time-consuming but uh, technique that is very interesting, and so that's obviously one of the reasons why it went this way. It also just has such unique style. The, the it's so colorful. I mean, all the Wallace and Gromit stuff is very it all pops, and it's so yeah exaggerated and 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 fantastical. You know, and it, it draws the kids that way but then the adults watch it and it's actually really well written and there's some very funny jokes in there and it just it ultimately feels warm and fuzzy i think when all is said and done like the it's there's not really any negativity in it i feel like cinematography sticks out more too when you make claim when you do claymation like i feel like the camera i mean you could i mean not to say that cinematography is not a part of regular animation because it definitely is but I feel like in claymation, because you have, like you said, these real backgrounds or at least real looking backgrounds, mm. um, just certain ways the camera moves and the shadows and the lighting and stuff, it, it, it does create a different look than animation and like live action mm-hmm. Yeah, that, it's, it's, that you don't get in either one of them. No, absolutely. Um, what, what, are, what, are, what, are, what are some of your, uh, some of your claymation uh, faves? Do you have any other ones that stick out for you? I mean, I remember playing Clay Fighter on the SNES as a kid, but mm-hmm. that was, you know, that was pre-rendered graphics, really more so than claymation. But they they actually did make clay models for that game and photograph them. Um, I don't know, man. That's funny to think back. Like, I definitely remember Wallace and Gromit growing up because I remember very clearly when the Wrong Trousers won the Academy Award in '93. I was mm-hmm. ten, of course. Did you uh, did you watch like uh, Chicken Run? Maybe I have seen Chicken Run. Yes, that, that was the, the one, one that they made prior to this, and then yes. of course the recently, well, not recently, but within the last you know seven eight years, there was Shaun the Sheep and yes, Shaun the, the Sheep Two, Farmageddon. I hear those are both very good. Mm-hmm. We had um, Early Man came out a few years ago. Hmm, interesting. I remember there being a lot of like stop motion, maybe on Sesame Street as a kid. Hmm. Like, yeah, seeing that on those sorts of shows, having that, that's mainly where the influence would come. And then, of course, special effects from older movies. And then you had, like, the the really uh, ones that stick out, ones that sticks out for me because it's so different from all the other claymation stop motion stuff is, like, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yes, yes. That's such a unique looking one. It's a Wes Anderson um, take on that uh, genre. Of course, let us not forget the the Terminator exoskeleton in the original uh, 1984 Terminator was stop motion. 
Yeah, and one of my childhood favorites, uh, James and the Giant Peach. Ah, yes, of course. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That movie was actually pretty scary to me too. So maybe it's just maybe that's an element of it. It's just like it, it creates a an unknown. Like there's just something yeah. about it that just oof. It's a, there's, there's a little something extra to it. And it Absolutely. works for this because this is, you know, like you said at the top, this is inspired by Hammer horror films. Yeah. Which is a, a, a British horror movies in the 50s, 60s, and I think 70s and 80s a little bit uh, that just basically followed a sort of similar structure. It's usually, I think, like a Dracula movie mm. or like a werewolf. And it's very much like a small town. Um, you have the priest of course, that you always have the priest, and the priest in this movie is very much like the priest in all those movies. Like he's warning of a terrible curse, or you know, a uh, very stock priest character. <laughs> Got to point it out, Brendan. As, uh, as I don't believe there's anybody in this film that is connected to Star Trek. I might be wrong. Uh, Nicholas Smith, who voiced the priest, of course, played Mr. Rumbold on Are You Being Served, and famously was the last living cast member before his own death in 2015. Oh. Of course. Yes. So I, I knew the voice was familiar, and I looked it up. I'm like, yeah, Jug Ears. Yes. <laughs> he's, he's been in at least one other thing that we've watched, too, because I, I know I've mentioned it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we should talk about the other main people that are in this, too, actually. So Peter Peter Salas, as you mentioned, is Wallace. Mm-hmm. Always the guy doing Wallace. Number Well, except for the new one that's going to come out, obviously. But throughout the years, he's always been Wallace. He's the original voice. He's the voice in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, Gromit, who's voiced by no one because he's a silent character. He's a dog. Yes. Um, and then the other two I definitely want to mention, and maybe there's someone else that you want to mention here too, Jason. But this is the other two that stand out, of course, is Ray Fiennes as Victor Quartermain, the villain, and Helena Bonham Carter as Lady Dottington. Hmm. Yes, I, I don't know if pe- anybody else sticks out besides Nicholas Smith to me. Yeah, I wrote down Peter K as the police constable because his name sounded familiar, but that's pretty much it. But I just thought it, so it's interesting. You may wonder, like, oh well, you know, Ray Fiennes and Helena Bonham Carter, their their name uh, recognition really sticks out in this cast, mm. and that's because there was an ultimatum. And usually I save this to later, but I want to mention this now. There was an ultimatum when they made this movie. They really wanted Nick Park to recast Wallace. <laughs> they wanted him to get a famous person to do the voice of Wallace. They wanted to get a celebrity. They were mad because, you know, he did Chicken Run and he got Mel Gibson. And they're like, where's our Mel Gibson? Where's our fucking lead actor? Where's our Hollywood star? And he said, look, I'm not going to give someone else the role of Wallace. This guy's this guy is Wallace. He's been doing it since the beginning. He's the guy. And he said, look, I'll, I'll, I'll compromise with you. These other two roles... The villain and like you know the 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 love interest. I will I will get two names for that, and that's yes. what he did. That's what he did. He not not obviously not like you know someone on the level of like a Mel Gibson in terms of star power, but he certainly got two recognizable names in Ray Fiennes and Helena Bonham Carter, and that was kind yeah. of their compromise. Which of course you know he said it worked out in the end because they were great. But well, I mean, um, and, and not only two two great actors, two great British actors, but also two great British actors that have recognition in America. Exactly. And I yeah. think he would have been just as happy just casting them with unknowns as well, or at least mm. relatively unknowns. But that was that was that he he saved the guy's job, basically. Yeah. yeah well, and he should, I mean, that's the thing. At, at the end of the day, Peter Salas is Wallace and I know he can't do it anymore because he was stupid and died. But he's the <laughs> guy. I don't just know. Tuning in for the first time to just hear us say that someone's stupid and died. It's been a long running joke, guys. Just go back. 
That's true. It's true. Everybody's smart until they die and they're stupid because they died. That's just yeah. a fact. Did you find, um, I know you haven't fully watched the movie, but this movie also had a scene that reminded me a lot of, like we were talking about hammer horror films, but this movie also had a scene that really reminded me of Jaws. Um, Cause there's a big scene in Jaws where they have like the meeting where they're like trying to figure out basically what the mayor's going to do with the sharks. Like what, yeah. wh- like, are you going to close the beaches? That whole mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. And there's a scene very similar in this where they're all like basically asking Wallace what he's going to do about the, uh, about the rabbit, about the were rabbit. Wasn't that like a good, like 50% of Simpsons episodes. There was a scene like that with the whole town <laughs> in a room oh, questioning the mayor. <laughs> I mean, probably I honestly, but yes, Jaws is definitely, the yeah, there's that, Jaws say. references all over this place. Yes. Plus the fact that another uh, thing, and maybe this isn't just Jaws, but also like just a horror movie thing in general, um, is that we don't actually see the were-rabbit in full for a very long time. No. We, no, no. The no, only we time we fully see him is when we finally get the reveal that Wallace is the were-rabbit. And of course, the rabbit's not that scary because it's just it's a big f- fluffy Wallace, basically, at that point. Right, exactly. I, I got. I got to say too. I love uh, that their first plan involves getting a female uh, fake rabbit to like <laughs> yeah. allure him, and Wallace does the whole thing where he's like, "No, no, no, more alluring," and he's like, "You know, we got that the stripper uh, song." Gromit's and... doing like the stripper dance and the thing. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way, folks, uh, props. Gromit is one of the greatest nonverbal characters in animation. He... Uh, he's right. so expressive. He's so it's expressive so exp- and conveys everything and not only the fact that he's expressive is 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 impressive because he doesn't have any dialogue he doesn't have a mouth no no he, he has even, yeah. his eyes and his and his snout and yeah. he conveys everything with his eyes and like the wrinkles in his face like it's just mm-hmm. it's so it's so well done and you always and, know what he's thinking he always know what he's thinking. He rolls his eye. One of the IMDb trivia things is that he rolls his eyes 13 times at Wallace in this movie. <laughs> I'm always like, I read that and I'm always like, who goes and counts that? <laughs> but he, but yeah, he, he is basically, it's funny because he's the dog, but it's basically like Wallace is basically the dog. Yeah. Raman is his owner. Let we break Robert's it down. Taking care of him for sure. I wondered, uh, Jason, if I can, if I can go as crazy as you did earlier, maybe they've already used the mind manipulation device before they met, and Gromit is actually in the body of Wallace, and vice versa. Could be that could be, but then that to me, that to me takes away from Gromit. That Gromit is just so smart and capable, and then makes it like, oh, he so he was a really stupid dog who liked cheese, and then he got. Implanted in a Wallace's body. I mean, if we're talking logic, though, that would make more sense to me. I think it's just that Wallace is evil. That's all I'm oh, saying. Okay, okay he... I'm sorry I brought it up. Um, mentioned the the girl bunny. How about the 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 ribald humor in this movie, Jason? This G-rated film, so much sexually related humor. There's there's some good innuendo in the classical British sense, and it's also subtle. Like there's a scene where is it Lady Tottingham like walks up and. and Says something, I don't know. Says something that could be conveyed as. She walks up to two ripe melons and she says, Victor never cared about my produce. And she she touches them very seriously. Yeah, exactly. She just kind of just subtly caresses them. And it's, again, it's it's not, I don't think it's that explicit, but it's just enough to be like, oh, you guys. (laughs) She also at one point says to him, call me Tati, which is apparently like a slang for a lady area. 
like British slang for a lady area. Well, Correct British me if I'm wrong, British on... people. Not going to look Brit- it up. I feel like British people have a, a lot of names, and most of them are Cockney rhyming slang for women's private parts. There's also a part too where um, there's a when the bunny goes through. It's like the sh- there's a shadow or there's like an outline of the bunny, and because there's a spring in it, because it's the fake bunny, it actually is shaped to almost look like a penis. Uh-huh. So it looks like the, um, and then of course my favorite one is when Wallace uh, ends up without his clothes at the end of the movie. He's wearing a, a he puts a cardboard box on, and the sticker says "May contain nuts." <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> so there's lots of like I think I just think it's funny they snuck in some like uh you know some fun suggestive little, jokes. It's very much like uh, the anti Shrek uh, in the sense that they're just these subtle little nods for adults as opposed to shoving it in your face. Well, you're saying Shrek's not uh, subtle? I'm saying that Shrek could do to tone it down just a tad. Donkey! Style it back. I want to see Sergio Leone's Shrek. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was listening to something earlier today and I remember them saying they were trying to they were trying to quote Shrek, but all they could quote was like song lyrics from the songs that are in Shrek. And it's like, you know what, guys? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go on a limb here and say Shrek's not very quotable. <laughs> Onions have layers. See, that's the one thing yeah. Jason, that's the one thing they mention is like there's a I think there's something with onions. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't uh, it just doesn't hold up uh, hold up for very long. What are you gonna do? What However, this do? movie humor is different than Shrek. Yes, but uh, it's, it's lovely. It's lovely. It's just lovely. It's it's suitable for everybody. The the we make a big deal about the those little jokes, but they're so minor, and it's just a great movie for everybody in the family to sit around and watch. It's got that vibe. Well, this is also this is also like um, two in a row. I would say very similar vibes in yeah. terms of uh, in terms of the the type of movie that we're talking about here and i don't i don't like i didn't read this about paddington and maybe that's because it was based on such a beloved source material that they they didn't dare mess with it but dreamworks tried to overstep their bounds a few times with this thing they they said they wanted it to be more friendly to american uh, uh american children i don't know what that means they said they said they wanted them to tone down the accents oh god no they, Listen to this, Jason. This is the wildest suggestion I've seen. They said, can we make it so that Wallace's car is trendier? Why? <laughs> his, his car. His his beat up car, which perfectly fits that character. They wanted it to be trendier for the, you know, for the kids. Yeah, so dumb. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, so I just I mean I just think it's wild all the notes they gave them like you know replace the lead actor make it more friendly to kid make it more American kid friendly, uh, to take out the Britishness of it all <laughs> make his car trendier. It's like I don't understand I don't understand when a big company like DreamWorks sees something like Wallace and Gromit in its infancy, they see they see the shorts they see that it's funny they see that people love it and they're like you know what we want that but we don't want that. Hmm. Yeah, like, exactly. It doesn't make any sense to me. And it, it shows such a low opinion of the public that they can't figure it out. People can figure it out. They will, they, the movie will find its audience. People will enjoy it that will enjoy it, and people that don't will not. And are the accents that thick? No. Like, I didn't think so. This is not. We're not watching an animated version of Kess here. 
Yeah, exactly. Like he's, yeah, that's the thing. The dude's got a Yorkshire accent, but he's not, it's exactly, it's not Kess. You don't need subtitles. <laughs> Wallace is pretty clear, you know. Wallace is clear. Gromit is very clear. Yes. He's, he's the clearest, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I just think, I just think it's wild that, Oh man, I just think it's crazy uh, that you want something and then you just you just don't want what it actually is. Yeah, that's just insane to me. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Rube Goldberg devices, Jason. There are Rube Goldberg devices all over this bitch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wallace has got this crazy system when he wakes up that, or, or when an alarm goes off when there's a rabbit activity. Uh, the alarm will go off and then he and uh, Gromit will be pulled into this tube and they'll be sent down a shaft and they have their like clothes put on and they're given a drink and a, and a bite to eat and they end up in the vehicle and then they go take care of business. Like kind of like the, Batman, but even even more so. The horror of like if something goes wrong with this thing. Yes, absolutely. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It all works so perfectly. You think about, yeah, how awful it must be. Oh, <laughs> Jesus, God. What the horror. The horror, man. The horror. Have you ever? Okay, can I ask you? Have you ever seen a Rube Goldberg device in real life? Uh, I mean, like on a YouTube video or something, like. But like the most you've seen is like a Domino's thing, probably, right? Well, I mean, people make people for fun will make dumb movies that, or like dumb machines that do stupid things for no real reason, like a, mm-hmm. you know, like a oh, feed the dog or something, and have this crazy, stupid, you know. No, no, Jason, that's your friend Doc Brown. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, that's it. That's what he did. He wasn't an inventor. He just made Rube Goldberg machines. That would have been great if the time machine in Back to the Future was just a Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah, that would have been sweet. You're a history guy, Jason. Why are they called Rube Goldberg? Uh, it's named after a guy who would, uh, I believe, Rube Goldberg, who drew like cartoons of these complicated machines that did stupid tasks. Like that's literally what he did. He drew pictures of these machines. Was he also undefeated in WCW for a short time? Uh, yes. Yes, he was. And b- back in the early 60s, back when it was still, you know, like uh, uh, all South Wrestling or something. All South Wrestling. Yep, yeah, exactly. yeah, sure. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> um, another similarity to last week, last week's movie, Paddington, um, more silent movie humor. Of lots course. Of slapstick. Yep. I mean, that's that, that translates well across all... Uh, all countries. Everybody loves slapstick. That's what I mean. They're, they're, they're doing it again. They're, they're giving us the slapstick, Jason. And I'm just saying, I, I'm I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God. Thank you for the slapstick. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you for the slapstick. Thank you for the times. Thank you for the joy. That's all the thanks I have. You have no one else to thank? Nope. No thanks for anybody. <laughs> Fuck you all. Get out of here. Uh... And, and of course, lots of other uh, – I noted there's lots of other references uh, to the things like Frankenstein. You mentioned King Kong. We mentioned Jaws. This movie is really just like a love letter to, you know, monster movies, horror movies. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I feel like the, the target audience for this aren't necessarily watching those movies. No. But this is like something for the adults – yeah. Without being something that just confounds kids. I think that's what bothers me about a lot of kids' movies these days. It's like, mm. no, no, these jokes are for the adults. Like, yeah, but you can't have jokes for the adults that bore the shit out of the kids. Yeah, that the just confuse and annoy the children. Like, yeah, that's that's no good. That's no good. They need to be quick or, or you know, they exactly. They, they or something, make yeah. some sense. Exactly. Like something like a Frankenstein reference. Like, you can both enjoy it on different levels. Like you might say, like, oh, this is clearly Frankenstein, where kids are like, ah ha ha, it's a big bunny. Yeah, 
Well, it's it's one of the things like, you know, this was 2005, you know, that was 17 years ago. Like, there's a good chance that some of the kids that grew up watching this movie then ended up watching Hammer horror movies and noticing the similarities. Or maybe maybe that set them on a path to wanting to watch horror movies, having watched this rather mild, but, but you know, kind of pastiche of a horror movie. I, I would like to think there's one really bad parent out there that, like, shows their, like, four-year-old this movie and then is like, ooh, do you want to see what it's referencing? Yes, absolutely. We're going to take that four-year-old and, uh, and give them a film uh, education right out of the gate. We're going to make that kid the, the coolest kid in first grade. He's going to watch RoboCop. But we're only Wait, going to show him the referencing first... RoboCop. No, no. I'm, but I'm saying we're going to show this kid RoboCop. We're only, him, we're only going to let him watch the first twenty minutes and oh. see how that affects him. <laughs> did you watch that when you were a young child I did. as well? Five years old, Brendan. And you saw Ro- and you saw him get torn the fuck up. I remember very clearly watching Alex Murphy get ripped apart as a kid and thinking, that's awesome. <laughs> and then crying. No, I mean, maybe I'm a psychopath. Never bothered me. I loved it. Speaking of dark, uh, violent things, I, I think another thing of this movie I really like is that what seems, what seems to be like a dark setup when, when, you know, we first see Wallace and, uh, and Gromit take the rabbit back. Mm. And, and and they you know suck them up into the vacuum, and you see Gromit with his big knife in the air. He's like sharpening it. He's finding the perfect knife. He reaches up in the air, and then he starts cutting carrots. Yeah, it's a, it's a and it's an old bit, but it's a good bit, and it certainly is has a place in this film. Uh, combine that with the moment you know, with the horror movie moments where they say like, yeah, you have to shoot the were rabbit with a bullet. Thunder crash every time yep. they say bullet. <laughs> they, I noticed too they bullet? say bullet. They don't say like it's not like a silver bullet. I thought that no, was it's interesting. Just, just a bullet, <laughs> and then well, it turns out it's a gold bullet. But <laughs> and apparently that was a last minute change, by the way, because they had the they had this whole the whole movie surrounds this vegetable festival, and the winner gets a golden carrot. So they said, oh well, maybe this should get involved somehow. And they said, well, it's it's a golden carrot. Well, let's make it a golden bullet that kills were rabbits. Who cares? It's our yeah. movie. Yeah, <laughs> that worked fine because it leads to one of my favorite jokes in the movie, which is where uh, Quartermain is standing there and he he's taking a shot at the rabbit. And he missed him, and so he gets into the crowd of people, and he goes and he stands up, and he fires a shot off, and he and he gets everybody's attention. He says, "I'm going to get this were rabbit. I have, and I only have two. I mean, one gold bullet left <laughs> that he blew off a bullet. Just that didn't even think about it. it made me laugh so hard. <laughs> and and yeah, and um, and I like the idea in this movie that you can just put the gold carrot in your old fucking gun, and it just becomes a bullet. Well, I mean, uh, from the perspective of uh, he's using a blunderbuss and a blunderbuss was a gun that you just jammed whatever the fuck in and packed it with gunpowder and fired it like a shotgun. The range was pretty low. But if somebody if you were like like it was for like raiding ships, right, you would board a ship and then just fucking blow somebody away with it. So, I mean, it, it does make sense that you could just jam this carrot into a blunderbuss and fire it. But I don't think the range it gets would work. No, sir. You don't think it would go as far as it goes in this movie? No, he'd have to get up pretty damn close to that rabbit to even have a chance. I do think it's crazy that the villain in this movie, Victor Quartermain, like very clearly tells you where the what point of view the movie is coming from. Because as a villain, he's a hunter. Yes. He hates animals. He's mm-hmm. willing to, when he finds out that Wallace is the were-rabbit, he's still willing to kill him. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think like, he's extra willing. <laughs> he's extra willing to kill a human being. 
Well, he's he's um, also he also knows that Wallace is sweet on his filly. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, the, the Todd, Toddington wants nothing to do with this man. No, he's a, this he's Victor, a, he's a cruel, cruel man. Yeah, unlike Wallace, the, who apparently is the epitome of evil, as you said. Well, but he's a redeemable type of evil. He's the he's like the he, he's like an emo singer in the sense that on the outside he's all darkness, but if you get down inside, there's really a sensitive young boy that just needs to be loved. Oh, okay. So yeah. Wallace is emo, is what you're saying? Emo, but with much more malevolence, I would say. I guess goth, really. He's goth. At the end of the day, he's goth. Okay. He's goth. Gotcha. So goth. He's an undercover goth. <laughs> right. Undercover goth? Yeah, in that he doesn't dress like a goth. He's, he's is that undercover like, with the normies. Is that like when a goth uh, owns a company and they go in and pretend to not be goth and then they rate their uh, their employees' performance? Yes, and you know who that goth was? Who? Eddie Griffin. <laughs> I think that's a different undercover movie. <laughs> it's in the undercover franchise. Oh, okay. Oh, I wasn't aware there was an undercover franchise and they were just different undercover people. This is Undercover Brother. It's there undercover... was, of course, Undercover undercover Frankenstein. Yeah, absolutely. Undercover. And then Undercover Frankenstein's Monster because people complained. <laughs> there was Undercover Mom. That was a different take on the series. Right. Yeah, there was there was undercover Nazi. That was a controversial one. That one did less well at the box office. No, it, it, surprisingly though, down south did a lot better. Did big business in Missouri. <laughs> Be a cold day in hell before I recognize Missouri. I'm just kidding, Missouri. If there's people listening in Missouri, you're great. We're just not big you're fans of your fine. state. You're probably fine. In your state is only one among many that we don't like. <laughs> I'm sure you don't like us either, and that's okay. I think we Jason come together I've, with our love of movies. From from now on, I think every week Jason and I are just going to rag on one of the states that we don't we don't like. We could pick one. Well, I mean, we could do a province too. We don't want to be. We don't want to pretend like we're just going to shit on the states. We can pick a province too. We're coming for provinces. you, Manitoba. Guy Madden, better watch the fuck out. <laughs> Eat shit, Saskatchewan. That's right. Don't get so comfortable, Alberta. Yeah, I mean, and my 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 last kind of big thing is uh, studio interference. We love it. We love it. I love interfering with someone's vision. It got us the Love Conquers All version of Brazil for posterity. Oh, the best version. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because ultimately... version of Blade Runner with the narration. <laughs> ultimately, at the end of the day, what I want is just for movies to not be recognizable from what they were truly intended to be. That's right. I just want it all to be meaningless pablum. Jason, did you find the cartoon characters in this movie pretty sexy? I did. I wanted to have sex with every one of them. I mean, obviously. I just love how not And you think human. about it with Clay. You think about how formal Clay is and the things you could do. Wow. Yeah. Wallace would become a grommet. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes. He's all here. He's here all week, folks. Brendan Wall, comedian at large, available for parties, funerals, and bar mitzvahs. I'm not available for funerals. That sounds and terrible. I already kind of did that, and it was a bad, bad, bad night. He specializes in brisses. Oh, I remember that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love performing comedy. Uh, ten, my favorite place to perform comedy is 10 minutes after they've just had a memorial for someone who passed away. Yeah, that's the best time. That's when the audience is vulnerable and they're 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 ready to be made to laugh. They that's need when they're laugh. like, well, I'm ready for hilarity. Tell us some jokes about vaginal fluids. <laughs> Old blood down by the river. Oh, that's for me and me alone.
Yeah, no, and the re- I mean, I, I say that facetiously, obviously, about the characters looking sexy, but yeah. I do think the design of them is really is really weird, like, really unique. Like, they don't look human. None of them look human. Um, no, they're, ta- they're so exaggerated. Yeah, and did you notice, like, Toddington has, like, two Band-Aids on her hair? Well, that's one of my favorite details, because near the end of the movie, remember, uh, Quartermain stabs her through the hair with, a like, a trident. Oh. And, sta- and sticks her to the wall. And so the joke is that when she comes out, she's got band-aids over the holes. <laughs> oh, see, I missed that completely. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was I... really funny. <laughs> I love a I love a good detail like that, a good detailed joke. See, I just thought it was part of the character design. And I was like, oh, that's a very uh interesting choice. <laughs> um and and as the filmmakers have said, this they believe this is the first vegetarian horror film. I think that they're probably right. Although, what about Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? But isn't that bad vegetables, whereas this is like a horror movie if you're a vegetarian? Oh. Maybe? I don't know. I guess I got horror in the sense that you're going to die of starvation because your food's all gone. Yes, absolutely. Like the lives of those poor rabbits that Wallace is taking lives of those to poor take rabbits, away. yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and that's the thing is that at that point, if there are no vegetables left, Wallace would have to feed the town those rabbits. And we all know rabbits are not really nutritious they're tasty but they're not mm. you can't oh, live on them. i've never i've never had rabbit it's good it's like a dark it's like a dark chicken almost uh, it's kind of like that it's it's good though it sounds weird because i like chicken i like pork and beef mm. and all that stuff i have no problem eating it but for some reason there's just something in my head and i can't do i can't eat a rabbit it's just well, rabbits are very cute they're very cute they're so but cute. the thing is brendan the cuter the animal the sweeter the meat i've always said no that. get out get out of here <laughs> don't Why touch do my dog want veal Get away from my dog, Jason. <laughs> oh, there's not a lot of meat there, but it's really tasty. He'd be really stringy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, so, yeah, that's, um, I, I think that's pretty much all I have for that. Do you have any other big things you want to mention? Yeah, it'll come up in the bits and bobs, Brendan. You know me. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> You're my best friend, Mark. Okay, so we're going to take a brief break. Uh, we're going to hear from some sponsors, and we will be right back. Edge of Radio. Today's episode of For Screen and Country is brought to you by Wensleydale Cheese. Wensleydale, when you need a cheese that is crumbly but not too strong, try Wensleydale. Bits and bobs, bits and bobs, bits and bits and bobs and bobs and bits and bobs and bits and bobs and bits and bobs, bits and bobs. I like the hymnal approach. I appreciate that. It has a certain respect to it that I deserve. Wow. Fuck you. Did you notice that Gromit has a degree? No. Yeah, in the in the opening credits, it pans past. He's oh, the, from uh, Dogwarts Academy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is like, oh, paper. which I get. It's a, it's a reference to Hogwarts, but I also was like, oh, Dogwarts. Oh, yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah it's it, the Dogwarts Academy is good, but the disease after which it is named, or was the disease named? Oh no, the disease was named after Dogwarts because it <laughs> got to start there. <laughs> sure, the disease came after the. Well, it was it was named after a horrible outbreak at Dogwarts Academy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It wasn't of Dogwarts though. It was of uh, smallpox, but uh I was going I was getting a lot darker and see cancer. Okay. No break of uh, cancer. Yeah. No break of cancer. Good lord. We we talked about uh, uh Wallace's uh Rube Goldberg machines. I like how his auto start on his car is just a a, a robotic arm that comes out and cranks the car like you know, it's an old tiny mm-hmm. car. Uh I asked I wrote in the notes is Gromit his slave? And it seems like it cuz why does Gromit 
necessarily stick with Wallace. I mean, he doesn't well, get paid. Here's the thing. I'll say I said this, and I'll say this again. I think Gromit. I'm not. I'm not going to go back to my idea that they may have switched brains, but I think Gromit is basically the human, and Wallace is his dog. I understand that. I understand that. But I feel like, yeah. I mean, I guess that's the question. Why do we slave away for our, our animals? And I guess maybe he thinks Wallace is cute. There you go. And just keeps feeding him cheese, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, he doesn't. He's putting him on a diet. That's that's when you really know Gromit is like the smart one because he's the one that's like, you got to watch your weight, Wallace. His, uh, Wallace, so Wallace's mind extractor, he says that it unstra- it extracts unwanted desires and feelings. And I wrote how dystopian, but then I also realized, so it's cocaine? Yeah. It takes all your bad feelings and turns them into good feelings? But like, I don't want to put something up my nose. No, you just want to suck out your brain. Exactly. Another fantastic joke in this movie is when Wallace is on the phone with Lady Toddington and she says, how long do you expect you'll be? And he says, well, I think I'll be about in about, and he's like in some machine and he gets pulled away and he goes, ah, and she goes, ah, I didn't think I could wait an entire, ah. <laughs> Good stuff. It's a, it's a fun upper class language joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wallace is very presumptive a couple of times in this movie on getting a kiss. He just assumes yes. this woman is going to kiss him. Uh, even at the lady. end of the even at the end of the film, he's uh, he pucker pucker and right up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also want to point out the secret compartment in which Wallace gets his cheese when he mm. you know distracts Gromit and Gromit walks off to check on his prized watermelon for the vegetable festival. And uh, he's like, you know, I'm going to sneak some cheese out. And he goes into the bookcase. And here are the names of these books. I thought this was great. And some of them are movies we've talked about. Uh, the Hunt for Red Leicester. Uh, Brighton Roquefort. How Green Was My Cheese. Brie Encounter. Swiss Cheese Family Robinson. East of Edom. Graded Expectations. Fromage to Eternity. And Waiting for Gouda. Props to the writer that sat down and wrote those all out. Thank you. Props to Brie Encounter. That's a good one. How many people caught that one? <laughs> you did, Brendan. You did. Because we watched it specifically that's right. that's for this true. podcast. That's true. Brighton Rockfort? That's crazy. Yeah, that's a good one. But Brighton Rockfort. Red Lester. Uh, what else we got here, Brendan? Oh, the Waving Rabbits a bit made me laugh, where after Hutch got pulled out of the thing, they're holding him outside, and all the rabbits inside the machine are waving at Hutch, and then and, and then behind them you can see Hutch waving back at them. And it's not, and there's a scene going on, but they're just, it's just in the background. I thought it was, I thought it was cute. I thought the, I thought the design of the rabbits was really cute overall. Yes. Yes. They're definitely marketable. <laughs> I wrote an indictment of private business holding too much power. We already went into that. Uh, Did we oh, a good joke on the part of the cop where he says, I believe this was a case of arson. And they're like, arson, arson around. <laughs> And they're all like, ah, <laughs> this guy, this guy. I, I, we didn't mention, but when when Wallace becomes the were rabbit, Hutch the rabbit starts turning into Wallace. Yeah, he's just he's basically like a parrot that's repeating Wallace's lines, like, "Oh, I'd like some cheese." And apparently, what they did is they made sure that all of his lines were lines either a earlier in this movie, or mm-hmm. were in one of the shorts. Yes. And so they they, there's nothing it. new. They just cranked up, uh, cranked up the pitch on Peter Salas's voice. Yeah, and it's his voice too. Exactly. He's like, I'd like a nice Gorgonzola. 
Mm-hmm. I, I just love that scene where he's he's realized like Wallace has got the bunny ears and Hutch the rabbit is like they realize that Hutch is turning into him. Someone knocks on the door and they're like, oh, I'm not going to answer it. And then you know, Hutch is like heading upstairs like, oh, someone's at the door. And then Wallace yeah. is like, no, no, I'm already answering it. <laughs> uh, oh, another good line because we were already talking about he never showed any interest in my produce uh, where – what does you say to him? Uh, I'm going to show you something no man has ever seen before, <laughs> or no other yes. man has ever seen, or something. And that made me laugh. And she just there shows a... him like a big giant carrot. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also a, a magazine about nun wrestling that popped up briefly. The priest. The priest had it. Yes, he because had a the nun priest, wrestling magazine. Somebody. Victor goes to v- visit the priest, and he says, "Here, take this book." And he's like, mm, "Nun wrestling? No, no, no. This book." <laughs> <laughs> Also, Victor, by the way, Van Helsing's first name is Victor, right? Yes. So and he is. Alan Quartermain is a classic venturer of British, I think, of British uh, origin. Well, because I think in any other, in a Hammer movie, he would be the heroic Van Helsing character. Yes. Going after this, this Dracula. Sure. But in this movie, he's just a dick. He's a dick because obviously, you know, it's not the same thing. But I think if he was in Dracula, he would be the good guy. Hmm. We'd want him, the badass, to like go and kill Dracula, basically. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the cages they have are very smart. Uh, they should have safety locks on the inside because they're for vegetables, right? They're for protecting vegetables. And if you get locked in that cage like Gromit does, there should be like a, a release on the inside that you can let yourself out. And I think that that's just that. I mean, and this is Britain. That's got to be a violation of some safety law. Yeah. No, for sure. And I think what? Uh, sorry, Jason. I think that uh, also... What? Uh, okay, fine. Yes, just say... Your, say Okay, you have a bitten bob? Okay, fine. Yeah, uh, uh, boys, I, I actually... Uh, I have a, I have a bitten bob for you. Well, this is unprecedented, Jimmy, but you know what? If you want to throw it in, I'm willing to allow it. Uh, just let me put my glasses on here. Uh, see, there's a moment in the movie where... Uh, uh, there's there's a giant carrot sign that falls down and it says Harvey's and yes. I don't know if you know this but I was in a movie called Harvey and that and that movie is about is about I play a character who sees an imaginary rabbit. So you think that was referencing your movie? That was, it was referencing a movie of mine, you see? Huh? Yeah. Huh. I thought it was so, referencing the Canadian hamburger chain, but I don't. Well, know that what doesn't make do sense, carrots. you idiot. Well, no, sir. No, it doesn't, Jim. Jim, It doesn't make sense. I'm sorry I got so mad, but uh, I'm just excited that I got a bit and bob and you you killed my thunder a little bit. Sorry, Jim. I didn't mean to do that. I'm glad that you you got to do this. Uh, Thank you. More later. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Jim. What a good guy. Yeah. He got a little mad. He feels bad about it. What are you going to do? Uh, what do I got left here? Uh, oh, I like when the guy switches his sign near the end because the crowd's going crazy and he switches his sign from like garden supplies to angry mob supplies. Yes. Yes. And then of course we have the chase at the end with the, uh, the little, like little toy airplanes, not toy, but like the ride airplane, ride on airplanes, the, uh, quarter mains dog and grommet are having like a big fight, you know? And then it yes. runs out of juice, and they have to put coins in it. So they both sit there, and then like the other dog pulls out a purse and puts the coins pulls, in, and then they resume the little, fight. His little change purse, yeah, the old lady change purse. Yeah, I and wonder if this. Resume. I wonder how this joke plays now. There's a moment where um, Lady Totting is it okay? I'm gonna lose my mind here. Is it Tottington or Tottingham? It is. Uh, it is 
Toddington. Toddington. Okay. There's a moment where Lady Toddington sprays Victor in the face with pansy spray. <laughs> yeah. And he does the little flopping his hands around a little bit. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if that's, a, I don't know if how that plays now. Yeah. I thought that was a little on the nose. <laughs> it was a little, I was like, oh, I wonder what that means. But, but, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's actually literally the last thing I wrote down was bandages on her hair when she was pinned. Well, Jason, I want to tell you a couple things about this movie. Sure. The movie was originally going to be called Wallace and Gromit, The Great Vegetable Plot. Hmm. Uh, But the- It's a bit less specific. (laughs) Market research said, no thank you. Yeah. I mean, I I have to agree with market research on this one. That one name's not going to draw a lot of interest. Not a great title. I think Curse of the Were-Rabbit is way better. Um, You talk about how this movie, making these movies is- um, Takes a long time. They managed to get an average of three seconds of usable footage per day. But I mean, that's still, that's what is it? Uh, this movie took five years to make, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's 60, that's 72 frames a day. So you're taking 72 separate pictures and having to adjust in between each one. Like, yeah, that's, that's, wild. that's a day's work. Not, not a fun kind of movie to make, I don't think. No, it takes a certain type of person to do it, and clearly Nick Park and his cohorts are Steve those sorts Fox. of people, much like uh, Seth Green and his friends, Matthew mm-hmm. Seinreich and the, you know, with um, Robot Chicken. But at least with them, they only have to do like, you know, 20-minute episodes. Yeah, like a 15-minute episode a week versus well, yeah. still, though, I mean, if it takes a day to do, I don't know, I'm sure they're more efficient at it, but like. I'm sure they've, they've yeah, I'm sure there's something else at work with those. Yeah, yeah. They're not, spending, um, they're not spending feature film money. Yeah. Sadly, shortly after this movie was released, uh, the warehouse the for Ardman Studios, the ones that, you know, worked alongside DreamWorks, uh, burned to the ground. Mm. So hundreds of, like, characters and sets. Basically, they said the entire history of the company. And uh, Nick Park could was said and this is the most british way to kind of sum it up he said even though it is a precious and nostalgic collection and valuable to the company in light of other tragedies today isn't a big deal yeah <laughs> <laughs> like listen yeah, guys yeah, we yeah, just yeah. lost our stuff it's not a huge deal it's just property um one well, should note that lady toddington in in every scene is dressed as a different kind of vegetable i did not notice that well right at the end she's a giant ear of corn so. <laughs> damn <laughs> Uh, now, so this, this movie, um, so Ardman Animation had this big multi-picture deal with DreamWorks. So they did Chicken Run, which was a huge box office success and yes. critical. Um, this movie did really well in the UK, uh, but, and it didn't do badly in the US, but it cost like, um, it cost like 30 million to make and it made about 56. So it did well, but like, you know, it didn't do the, the money that these movies were making at the time. Yeah. And then when Flushed Away came out, it it bombed because Flushed Away cost $175 million and it made like 198. Was that so, a, also a stop motion movie? It's yeah, Ardman Ardman Animation, same wow. uh yeah, so it it did it did not do well at all. And now when they actually did put a star in the movie, they put Hugh Jackman in it and Kate Winslet. So there you go. Damn. Yeah, and then Ardman Animation, uh, their next big movie was like the Pirates Band of Misfits, but that was uh, that was all through basically Studio Canal, and in Europe they were just like, you know, make the movie you want to make. We're not going to mess with it. Hmm. 
but they haven't really made anything. And there's never been a full-length Wallace and Gromit movie since until yeah. the Netflix one, like I said, that comes out in two years. So that put him off. That put Nick Park off doing anything with uh, feature feature length with Wallace and Gromit mm. after this. this. It was not a pleasant experience for him. I'm sure it was a, a fucking death march. Yeah. This movie goes to the Oscars. Yes. It wins one Oscar. Jason, what could it be? Best foreign language film. <laughs> Absolutely not. It wins best animated feature. Oh, um, okay. Well, which I was actually surprised. I forgot that it, that even happened. But it, I, I did note that it won against uh, other nominees, Howl's Moving Castle. Ooh, wow. And uh, The Corpse Bride, which, funny enough, also featured Helena Bonham Carter. Yes. At the BAFTAs, it wins one BAFTA. What do you think? Best animated film. Well, there isn't a category for that, but it does win best British film. Okay. Yep. Makes Over sense. Tristram Shandy, A Cock and Bull Story, The Constant Gardener, also with Ray Fiennes, mm-hmm. a movie called Festival, and Pride and Prejudice, the one we just talked about a couple few weeks ago. Oh, wow. On Rotten Tomatoes, this movie has a rating of 95%. It says, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit is a subtly touching and wonderfully eccentric adventure featuring Wallace and Gromit. Um, Empire Magazine, which we, of course, were following this list, the Empire list, they said this about the movie, The sparkling curse of the were-rabbit positively brims with ideas and energy, dazzling movie fans with sly references to everything from Hammer Horrors and The Incredible Hulk to King Kong and Top Gun, and bounds along like a hound in a hurry. The plot pitches the famously taciturn Dogwarts alumnus and his Wensleydale chomping owner against the dastardly Victor Quartermain taking mutating bunnies, prize-winning marrows, and poshest biscuits Lady Toddington along for the ride. In short, it's the most marvelously English animation there is. Damn, strong words. Yeah. So this one, um, I mentioned that it only made $56 million in the U.S., but overall, $30 million budget. Worldwide, it made $192.6 million. Ooh, that's all right. That's all right. Indeed. That's all right, all right, all right, as our good friend Matthew would say. Uh, but Jason, I want to know if you think it was all right, all right, all right, and I want to think if you think it should go on the list, list, list. Yeah, I, I think this movie absolutely should. I mean, what can I say? I, it's great. It's fantastic. I, I'm just going to repeat myself from all the previous weeks. It's, <laughs> it's a good movie. Um, but but this one I think really does deserve a place because it's just so goddamn British through and through. Like like from just how it is, the attitude, the culture, the the jokes, everything is British through and through. It's also a fantastic piece of animation. It, it fills it the void. Is so much work went into it. Yeah, exactly. There wasn't There's nothing there like this. There was nothing like this on the BFI list, really. No. Um, no, not even close. There's nothing animated to, on the BFI list. No, but to have this kind of like family movie, yeah, it absolutely deserves to be in consideration for the list and probably should take up a slot. I agree. And again, like we said last week, there's there's some kids movie. There's some, you know, G-rated younger adults movies on the uh, BFI list that could probably stand to get replaced. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Sunday Afternoon needs a better movie and Wallace and Gromit is that movie. I agree. I think it should also go on the list, and I think it's great. But Jason, maybe next week won't be so great. We don't know. We don't know. We We don't know. We we need something to mix it up, something that maybe is more divisive or something that is uh, uh, interesting, if not entertaining. What are we going to get, Brendan? Well, we've been on a hot streak of great movies, but we, yeah, you're right. We need need something that'll just... Split us down the middle. That's right. We need to just stop jacking each other off after we watch these movies because that's all we've been doing for weeks. We need something to sink our teeth into. 
putting things on the list left, right, and center. Now we That's need right. some debate here. So what I'm hoping for, it, Jason, what are we going to do right now? We are going to spin that wheel. And what does that mean? Well, I fucking just said we're going to spin the wheel, you dummy. So we're going to spin that wheel. All the movies we have left are on the wheel. And Brendan is going to randomly choose one from the wheel spinning. Brendan! Yes? Are you there? I'm there! Are you ready? I'm ready. Spin that wheel. Here we go! Okay, well, we might have it. We might have it this week. It's going to be interesting. We're going to uh, we're going to take a look at an older movie, Ooh. one of the few on this list. We're going to take a look at an older movie called "Look Back in Anger." This is a I film. The, I know with... the song "Don't Look Back in Anger." And I also <laughs> know the movie "Don't Look Now." It's none of those, but it does have Richard Harris. Okay, of his sporting life. Of this sporting life? No, of his. It's oh, not his this own, one. His own it's, sporting it's life. His own sporting life. All right. So maybe that'll be the big debate next week. May, we'll take a look at that and we'll remember, we'll remember that movie. I, I think I remember both of us quite quite liking that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see if this one measures up. All maybe right. it's I'm better. Excited. Maybe it's worse. I'm excited. We're fi- I think we're going to get something a little different. That's right. So there you go. We're going to talk about that next week. Look back in anger, but don't look back in anger because look, look ahead in joy. That's right. That's in the hymn. That's our hymn. Look ahead in joy. Look ahead in joy, my Lord. See? Praise the Lord and look ahead in joy. That's the ammunition and the cornbread. Oh, now we're now we're going from <laughs> uh, regular religion to people who say they're religious. Oh. There you go. So that's what we're going to do next week. But Jason, until then, they can find us all over the interwebs. We are on all the podcast apps that you can find. Just search for us. We are there. Our home base is Age of Radio. Go to ageofradio.org slash for screen. And Gundre. Search for us on Facebook. Just type in for screen. And Gundre. On Twitter, we are at FSAC pod as in for screen. And Gundre. Podcast. Jason, where can they find you? They can find me over on Twitter at Jason D. McLeod. That is M-A-C-L-E-O-D. I'm there. I am ready to mingle. Christian mingle? Do, I mean, and, and, Christian mingle mixed with farmers only. And, uh, only Christian pause. Farmers. Only pause. So Christian farmers with dogs. <laughs> you just That's all you're after is Christian it's farmers with I dogs. Want. Christian and if you're not a Christian dog. farmer without a, if you're not a Christian farmer with a dog, he doesn't want to hear from you. You stay out of my life. <laughs> Don't tell me how to run my life. That's right. So there you go. Well, until then, until next week, when we talk about uh, look back in anger, Jason, I just got to say to you, God save the queen. God save the screen. And for screening country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. The night we're on the loose. Ooh. Cheese!
the skanky old ladies Feeding my fetish for fettered old fetter Photos of Frisian on beds of bruschetta The worse they smell, the more they swim The faster the speed my mouth gets wet Oh God, oh God, oh God J'adore le fromage, mais le fromage ne pas à dormir. Rien, je ne regrette rien.